happy to see you guys here today. And <clears throat> we have been walking through Galatians for the last couple of weeks, actually the last several weeks, as a church family. And we're getting to the end. We're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. We've got some good stuff to hear yet from Paul's letter to the Galatians. So we've been looking at, over the course of the last month or so, what Galatians has to tell us about the gospel. What do we learn from this letter that Paul wrote to this specific church? What can we learn about the good news of Jesus Christ? What, what can we glean from these words about who Jesus is? And last week, Pastor Rogers discussed the first part of chapter 5 of Galatians. And today we're going to kind of pick up where he left off and look at the rest of that chapter. Last week, we looked at the reminders of Paul to the Galatians about what it really meant to be free in Christ. What does that look like? The Galatians were not Jewish people. They were Gentile people. And as Paul visited them and shared with them about Jesus, that Jesus came as God in the flesh to live among us and to show us to show them what God was really like, that he came to live among us, to die for us, to be raised, to be resurrected, and that this is what gave them the right to be children of God, to be in God's family. That is good news. That is good news. Being in God's family was not just something that was for a specific group of people who did specific things. It was available to everyone through Christ Jesus. But living into the freedom that the Galatians had proved to be really difficult for them. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's difficult for us too at times to really live into freedom when all that we have maybe known is bondage, is slavery. I mean, how do you relate to God apart from rules and laws? That was sort of a question the Galatians had over and over. How do I love God without just focusing on rules and laws, and does God love me without focusing on rules and laws? They had these questions, and they struggled with what it looked like to live freely. The freedom that we have from Christ comes solely from God's love for all people, and as we talked about last week, we have that freedom so that we can live out love to other people. It's by love that we're set free, and it's for love that we are set free. We're called to a free life. And Paul reminded the Galatians in the first part of chapter 5 that this freedom is not just an excuse to do whatever you want to, live however you want to, because Paul knows that kind of life really is bondage. It really is slavery to sin. So he tells them, there's a different way to live out this freedom that we keep telling you about. And that's what we're going to look at today. It's living and walking and keeping in step with God's Spirit. So we're going to pick up in Galatians 5 with verse 16. Open up your Bible, find that. We're going to walk through it together, so just keep it open because we'll refer to it back and forth. But I'm going to read Galatians 5 starting in verse 16, um, and like I said, we'll walk through this together. I'm going to read from the NIV. Um, and also from another translation called the Passion Translation that 
You may or may not have heard of. It's a little like Eugene Peterson's The Message, but not quite as free-flowing. So, um, you know, I don't use words like licentiousness every day in my life, so I thought maybe y'all didn't either. So this puts it in a little bit better terminology for us all to be able to understand. So here we go. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul is talking about two ideologies. He's contrasting two different ways of doing life. Two parts of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We have, he describes it as flesh and spirit. There's the fleshly, the selfish side of us, not just the flesh like human needs to be hungry, to sleep, things like that. The fleshly, the the self-centered part of us. And then that is contrasted with the spirit-yielding, God-focused side of us. And he says these are in total opposition. They're in contrast all the time. They're, they're, They're against each other. Paul is really contrasting two motivation systems, two ways of doing life. And the first one that he mentions that we've just read about is the flesh. It's Greek word, the Greek word is is sark, S-A-R-X. And it literally means the self-centered part, the selfish only, concerned with what we want, looking out for number one. Excuse me. My Bible is a scrapbook, as many of y'all probably are too, so just ignore the things that fall out of it. Um, So sark is a a Greek word that means the selfish part of us, the part of us that is focused on what we want. It's interesting to, and we have to remember that Galatia was a Roman province. Um, Rome was known to be a place of self-indulgence, of no limits, of no boundaries. And so Paul is, is giving examples of what that might look like, to live a life that is just focused on yourself. So let's Keep, um, keep reading and see what Paul says this life focused on the self will look like. And this is where I'm going to switch over and read um, from the Passion Translation, so it may not be exactly word for word for what, you are, what you're seeing in your Bible. Starting in verse 18, he says this, But when you're brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you're no longer living under the domination of the law, but you're soaring above it. And he says, this is what that fleshly life looks like. Verse 19. The cravings of the self-focused life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment, when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. And then he says this, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. This way of life, this this self-concerned spirit is a reality for 
every human being. It was especially a reality for the Galatians. Their, their example, their method was what they knew was what it was like to live freely in Rome. And so in this list, Paul is, is really telling the Galatians, this may very well be what you think it looks like to live into freedom. This is what you see of people who claim to be free. They live like this. But the freedom that you have in Christ is more than this. Just because everyone around you, Galatians, is living like this and claiming they're free and doing whatever they want to, you don't have to. Your freedom in Christ looks different. You might think this kind of life, this kind of list is freedom, and Paul's saying no. That's really putting yourself in bondage to just a different kind of sin. So Paul's saying, let me show you there's a better way to do this. Because Paul knows that what looks good at first, a lot of times can pin you down and can end up being a slave. You can end up being slave to something that you think looks so good at first. Paul knows that. Paul knows and says, this kind of life doesn't lead to God's freedom, doesn't lead to God's kingdom, inheriting God's kingdom. And how can it? Because you're not free to be part of God's kingdom if you're only focused on self and self-wants and self-achievement. So it's, it's also interesting to me in this list that we just described, of, that Paul gives, ways of being, they're hurtful to the person living that way, but also to their community. Our anger, fits of rage, jealousy, hurt more than just us. They hurt those around us. Selfish ambition doesn't just hurt me, it hurts everyone that I step on to get where I want. A life of uncontrolled addictions has many victims, not just the people who are struggling with the addiction themselves, but everyone who loves them is also hurt by that life. Living out the self-centered life hurts ourselves, but it also hurts those around us. The self-centered life puts us in slavery ourselves, but it also enslaves the people who are with us, whether we see it or not. It's hard for us to understand at times, and I think Paul is really starting to try to help the readers in Galatia understand this. Our lives are about more than us. They are about more than us. We get caught up in the personal. What do I think about this? What do I do and what that means for me? But a big part of what it means to live out love for God means that we understand that our lives are more than just about us. There is a communal aspect to following Christ. God is redeeming not just a bunch of individuals. He's redeeming humanity as a whole. This selfish life that Paul has described, this fleshly life, this thinking, really thinking that we can derive meaning from created things rather than the creator. The selfish or fleshly life is part of our reality as believers because Christ has freed us from this, but that doesn't mean that it disappears. We still have to navigate this in our world today. So Paul is reminding the Galatians, this can become your norm if you let it. This can be how you live if you let it. But he says, you know, there's another way. And he starts the other side of the contrast, talking about the way of Christ, the way of freedom from this slavery to sin, freedom from bondage, 
to ways that lead to death for yourself and for other people. This is the way of the Spirit. And although Paul says these two are in opposition, he's clear to note that the power of the Spirit, the power of the flesh has no, no power when we're talking about the power of the Spirit. There's no comparison. There's no match for the power of God's Spirit. So let's pick it up in verse 22 and see what he says the power and the life of the Spirit looks like. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. It's joy that overflows. It's peace that subdues. It's patience that endures. It's kindness in action. A life of goodness full of virtue. Faithfulness that prevails. Gentleness of the heart. And self-control self strength of the spirit. And he keeps going, says, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected to our self-life was put to death on the cross with the Messiah, crucified. We must live in the Holy Spirit and walk after the Holy Spirit. So we may we never be arrogant, look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Paul says there's a better way to live your life, and it is a life yielding to the Holy Spirit. A life of walking with, your translation may say walking with the Spirit, or keeping in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we believe is God's power walking with us, living with us day to day. The same spirit Jesus talks about in John 14 where he tells his disciples, the spirit is coming. I, I'm not going to leave you just high and dry. I'm sending a counselor, a guide, a leader for you. The literal Greek word here is paraclete, and it literally means to walk alongside. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about the presence of God that walks alongside with us always. So we have two choices here from Paul. He gives the Galatians these two choices, and I think we don't have to read too much into it to see that we have two as well. We can focus and feed the selfish, self-concerned, think about ourselves part of us, and that is what will grow. And it will look nothing like Jesus. But Paul tells us here, there is a power far greater than us that can reign in us if we will let it. If we will let it. That will grow in us God's love in all its varied expressions that he describes here. See, we can use our freedom to rip apart ourselves and the community that God has put us in. Or we can let God free us and help us live lives that free others as well. God gives us the power to do what he has asked us to do through the Holy Spirit. God tells you, I've been, I've freed you in Christ. You don't have to live this self-focused way anymore. You can live out my love to each other. I've already given you exactly what you need to do it, and it's the Holy Spirit. We just have to yield to that Spirit. We have to yield and walk with that Spirit. Now, what does that look like? It looks like Jesus. 
It looks like Jesus. It looks like helping those who are hurting, helping those who are in trouble. It looks like putting others before yourself, like turning the other cheek. It looks like sacrifice and giving and lending when we know it's not going to be given back to us. It looks like prioritizing people as Jesus did time and time again, valuing God's image in every single person that he came in contact with. It looks like standing up for broken and actively trying to fix the systems that keep people broken in the first place. It looks like doing what Jesus told us to do. It looks like working to free people from the bondage that they are in because we've gotten that freedom and now it's our job to help other people find that same freedom. Paul never met a metaphor he did not like. And I love as he goes on to describe in this writing, it's full of images related to fruit. I think this is a great vision for us to have, a great image, this image of fruit, because it draws emphasis really to what, um, to a really good picture of what life following Christ looks like. Think about this, fruit, it does not appear by itself. It does not appear by itself. The imagery here is that from a seed grows a plant, from a plant has a vine, from a vine yields fruit. And the root system, the plant health, the external environment the plant is in, all matters to the kind of fruit that is going to be produced. Healthy plants, good soil, the right environment yield healthy, nutrient-rich fruit. And likewise, poor soil, depleted environments, bad conditions yield fruit that you would not want to buy, <laughs> fruit that you would not want to purchase at the grocery store. And Paul says here, the same is true with our life with the Spirit. True work of the Spirit takes time. It's not controllable by us. A farmer can do all that he can do to make everything perfect for fruit and still has no control over the outcome. It starts slowly and it grows over time. It might look like a seed buried in the ground for a lot longer than we want it to sometimes. We want to control the outcome. We want to control the circumstance. We want to control the timing, none of which is really possible with actual fruit. Nor is it possible with life in the Spirit. But over time, we do see fruit. And it is worth mentioning here that what we are described, what we're, what we're given here from Paul is a singular word, fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit, one really big, all-encompassing fruit. That means we don't just get bits and pieces Somebody doesn't just luck up and get goodness and faithfulness while somebody else just has joy. We get the whole lot as followers of Christ if we are willing to yield into the Spirit. It's like an all-access pass. You get to go wherever. You get all access to the fullness of the Holy Spirit through Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit means we have access to all of life that Paul describes in verse 23. And I want us to hear it again. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness 
not just in thought, but in action. A life of virtue or goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit or self-control. None of these things, guys, are things that we can do or check off our list each morning. I can't wake up and say, say I'm going to do laundry, I'm going to take the kids to school, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and I'm going to obtain joy. Check, check, check. It does not work that way. The fruit that Paul lists are byproducts of a life that focuses on God above all other things. Paul has spent this entire letter of Galatians telling them and reminding them that life with Christ is not rooted in adherence to these outside laws. It's not rooted in Levitical codes. It's not ruled in following the Jewish law. It's more than just behavior. It's more than following the rules without engaging the heart. We can follow rules really quickly and see surface level changes. And Paul is talking about what's down here. The real transformation of their heart and spirit that's only possible through Christ. His core message to, to the Galatians and to us is that Christ has crucified this first list. Christ has taken care of it. Christ has crucified that. Past tense. Past tense. The gospel is rooted in the power of Christ. That the old has died and that the new has come. This was done for all of us. It does not require our work. It was done for all of us through Jesus. It's past tense. We have nothing to do with it. Our role, Paul keeps going and says, it's what's noted in the present tense. We are to keep walking with the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. We're to walk with the Spirit. Christ has crucified our self-centered life. We just need to not go back and try to bring it back to life, which if we're really honest with ourselves, is what trips us up the most. I can tell you honestly, the things that I struggle with the most are things that God has crucified that I just try to go back and revive on my own effort. We need to just let it be dead. We need to just let it die. Christ has done the crucifying, done. We just need to let go. Our job is to walk. Our job is to walk with the Spirit. And the Greek word here that's translated walk really means more than just we think about walking, get to point A, get from point A to point B. But this is really referring more to a way of living, sort of a mode of doing life, a way of being. It's more than just simply transportation. Our role is to keep in step. Literally, the word walk means keep in step. Our role is to keep in step with the Spirit. And we've already said that the Spirit is the part of the triune God that walks along with us. So what does it look like to keep in step with someone who's already walking right with us? It should be easier than we find it. It really should be. But we struggle. But I want to give you a couple of things to think about as we think about this walking with the Spirit that I think will help us, and maybe you will find them helpful this morning. One is this. If we're going to walk with the Spirit, if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, it means that we have to make sure that we don't run ahead and that we don't lag behind. We have had a dog that would but go backpacking with us, go hiking with us. And what that dog did when we took him with her with us 
was run up ahead and then turn around and sit, wait for us to get there. Run up ahead and then turn around and sit and look at us like, come on, you know, you, you, you can walk faster than that. We can't run up ahead and then sit and wait for God to get there. We take the youth backpacking. Um, at least once a year, we've done it for 20 years. Um, so anyway, <laughs> telling on myself. Um, we developed a plan with youth and backpacking that looks like this. They do everything that they do on the backpacking trip in groups because it teaches them responsibility and they keep up with each other. And one of the things that is really important when you're backpacking is that you get everybody that you take with you back healthy. That's, if you don't have that, you do not have much success. So if you have a group and you have people, maybe one or two who are lagging behind, who just, people have different physical abilities. So groups are, are, are put together with all people of all different physical abilities. So if we have a group that has someone who is struggling a little bit more, the rest of the group doesn't walk on ahead and sit down and wait for them. They put that person in the middle so they're surrounded. And they're surrounded by people who are going to help them keep the pace and who are going to adjust their pace to be with them so that they will not leave them alone. Because the goal is get everybody to camp. It's difficult for us at times to yield to the slow work of the Holy Spirit in us because we want patience yesterday and we want faithfulness without the work it takes to grow it and our instant gratification culture means we want all this spiritual fruit quickly and without a lot of effort so part of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is yielding us keeping time with the Spirit yielding to the slow work of heart transformation. We're really not interested in a bunch of outwardly changed behavior because that stays for a little bit and then it's gone. Heart transformation takes time. We don't get joy in a box from the store. We get joy by coming to understand that true life is not found in what I have or what happens in this life, but in the God that carries us through it, whatever it is. So if we run ahead of the Spirit, we use our own efforts in ways that may not be helpful to the kingdom. If we run ahead of the Spirit, it means we may miss the way that God wants to use others in the process. If we lag behind God's Spirit, then we miss out on seeing the good things that God is doing. So keeping in step with the Spirit is important. It means we pay attention. We pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. We pay attention to what God is doing outside of our lives. We know that God is not just working for my own personal good, but for the good of all of his people. Keeping in step means we put ourselves in the middle of the pack. The pack, meaning the Holy Spirit, and the people that have surrounded us with the same goal in mind, to keep in step. So keeping in step, not running ahead, not lagging behind is very important. But also is this. We just have to walk. We have to practice walking. Walking takes practice. Anyone who's seen a kid try to learn how to walk, it usually does not happen instantaneously. 
In backpacking, we have a saying that we just say, just keep walking. There's a lesson for you. Just keep walking. And that's really the only way that we can get to the end of the trail. You can hate it or you can love it. But that doesn't change the fact that what you have to do is just keep walking. For me, hiking pushes me into a new rhythm. So walking itself is transformational for me on the backpacking trail. Our spiritual life can benefit from the same mentality. Just keep walking, and by walking, I mean just keep doing those things that connect you to God's spirit and to God's community. Like I said, for me, backpacking, walking, walking itself becomes a transformational time for me. It pushes into a new rhythm of not just trying to get somewhere, but actually looking at creation and enjoying where I am. Walking is the journey itself. It forces, walking in a backpacking sense, forces us to stay connected. We cannot go off on our own, or we might get lost. It draws us into something bigger than ourselves. We're part of a group, we're part of a much bigger creation. So let's think about that in a spiritual sense. What are those things that we can do that keep us connected to God's spirit, that keep us walking, that keep us doing the things that put us in the presence of God? What are those things that connect you to God's presence, to God's spirit in a transformational way? And I know immediately we think of Read the Bible, Jesus, and pray. I've done work with youth for almost 20 years, and that's an easy answer. Read the Bible, Jesus, and pray. That's very, very important, but I want to push us a little bit this morning to think beyond Bible reading and prayer. Think beyond, we can do, think about it like this, we can do things that are good out of habit and have no transformation whatsoever. Sometimes we can read the Bible and pray and check it off our list and go about our day and have no transformation whatsoever. So I want to push you to think this morning. What is it that connects you? What do you practice that changes you in ways that look like this? Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Active kindness, goodness, a life of virtue, faith that keeps going, gentleness of heart, self-controlled spirit. What do you do? What do you practice that increases those things? Because if it is of the spirit, it will result in more of this. If it is of the spirit, it will result in a life that yields the fruit of the spirit. We can know if something is of the spirit, if it makes these happen in us and not just us, in God's community, in God's kingdom. What do we practice that transforms us in these kind of ways? It takes time and it will not happen on our time schedule. But the practice, the walking, the keeping in step itself accomplishes something in us. It puts us in connection with what God is doing beyond us. It puts us in connection with the spirit that is always guiding, always leading, always transforming us and those around us. 
And we have got to practice doing that. Practice being tuned in and practice walking. So this is going to be very personal for each one of us. What does it look like for you to practice walking with the Spirit? What do, you, what do you do, what do you practice that results in more love, more joy, more peace, more kindness? Do you have a pack, a community, a hiking group that you can put yourself in the middle of, of people who are also trying to do the same thing you are and get to the same place? That will help you keep up and that will help you not run ahead or lag behind. You know, when I think of keeping in step, a lot of times I think of the military soldiers walking in formation together, and that is a great visual as well for us here. This accomplishes several purposes, this marching in formation. And one, marching itself is harder than walking, and it increases endurance, and it increases even physical stamina. So that's part of it. But also, in marching in formation, especially cadence of a caller in the military, um, it conveys this idea of group unity to the people that are walking in formation, to the soldiers, group belonging. When you're marching closely together, you are not on your own pattern or time or pace or you'll trip everybody else around you. The individual has to yield to the group. That is a great metaphor for our life in the spirit, that when we yield, when we keep in time with God's Spirit, this kind of list can happen. Goodness, peace, joy, love. We don't run ahead. We don't lag behind. We don't run ahead in our own efforts. We don't lag behind because we miss out on what God is doing. We keep in step. So which way of life that Paul describes here, two ways of life, the self-focused way and the spirit-yielding, spirit-led way. Which one do you feed? Which one do you feed? Do you feed the way of self that hurts yourself and others around you? Or do you feed the way of the spirit? The way of the spirit that brings into focus God's transformation for each one of us. That's slow, but that yields his fruit that we see listed here. And how do you keep in step? How do you, what do you do? What do you practice that helps keep in step with God's spirit? And if you're thinking, I don't know, I don't have anything, then I would love to talk with you about that. Because yes, you do. There are, there are things that you, that make you come alive in your soul. And that's feeding God's spirit. That's God's spirit feeding you. So what makes you feel, come, what makes you come fully alive in these goodness, love, joy, ways? Figure that out, and that's what you need to do more of. What do you need? People to walk with you? People to put you in the middle, because we all fall behind sometimes. We all run ahead sometimes. We need people to put us in the middle and say, walk with us. We can help you. Stay in tune with us. Maybe you feel like you're dragging behind, and you need somebody to come alongside of you, just like the Holy Spirit, and say left, right, left, right, left. 
And when you get strong enough, you can do it on your own then or for someone else. It takes people to walk with us, and it takes practice. It takes practice. 